happy Memorial Day to all of my American uh, friends who have crushed gloriously in the domain of governance. Um, the uh, culture is very different from from South Africa coming to America. It's a very uh, militaristic culture uh, that uh, I had a fun little story with when I was on a farm in back in 2015, backpacking down the U.S. And uh, they asked me like, oh, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts so far? And, and I said, you know, it's, it's really great to be here. I feel like I'm catching the Roman Empire at its height, you know, and they're like, what do you mean the Roman Empire? Like, and it was quite offensive to them that I was drawing a comparison of this like militaristic empire. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, you, you really look at it. The, the empire is a, is a direct, it's, it's so clear to see you guys are so militaristic. And they're like, we're not militaristic. And I was like, we just had a church service where you asked every guy in the army to come up and, and receive honor and everyone clapped and thanked them for their service. And I was like, this just doesn't happen in any other country. There's this intense um, patriot, patriotism attached to uh, the man in uniform. And so, <clears throat> you know, the way I look at it from, from a South African perspective, because my parents' generation were all uh, uh, force volunteered, they were uh, conscripted. Every man had to, every white man had to serve uh, his time uh, in, the, in the army after school. But the way um, the way I look at militarism, the way I look at honor and glory, uh, and the way I look at death, all as a Christian, all from a biblical point of view, are very different to how society, even conservative society, <clears throat> celebrates certain things. So, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot of guys they the the glory of going to the military the glory of, of fighting for something you believe in for, for adventure and conquest. When you sign up is the day that you die. It's the day that you die to yourself and you sign, you, you give your life for the cause, for the army, for the nation. That's the day that everyone should be mourning and grieving is the day their son signs up. Now, if he ever comes back, then it's cause for celebration. Your son has come back from the dead, right? So, so when men go away to war, that's their death. Leaving, that's the only way to fight. That's the only way to have a war machine that goes and sorts crap out. Is for men to leave dead. You, you, you sign up to the military, I've signed my death. And should you come back, there is, you've come back from the dead. There is, great, there is great joy, there is great gladness. Now for the men who gave their lives, the men who um, sacrificed and and died in in the military in a in a even even policemen firefighters in service is what i'm looking for the men who died in service <clears throat> to their nation to their ideals to their mission uh, even to adventure and conquest we have been so removed from glory from the the death in glory as christians we're supposed to we're supposed to not fear death we're supposed to glorify the men who face death boldly, who face death bravely, with strength, with courage, with mastery, and give them honor. And so for me, like with Memorial Day, you know, coming to America and being like with Memorial Day, I'm like, this should be a day of celebration, a day of celebrating the men 
who with boldness, with glory, with honor, uh, with courage, with strength, died valiantly. A death that many men will never experience. You know, many men will die on their couch watching TV for 30, 40 years and, uh, and never experience the thrill of action. We'll never experience uh, danger. We'll never experience camaraderie. We'll never experience uh, sacrifice of, of serving, you know, something beyond yourself. So anyway, that was just my, my thoughts on that. I had a little think on DVG. Welcome, brother. <clears throat> Rob, Americans recoil at the idea that my democracy won't last forever. It undermines their civic religion. And that's the, that is the, the key, you know, democracy has been such a memed, you know, you even look at the Republic, it's, it's not a democracy, it's a Republic, but, but democracy for, for whatever Greek civic reason has become the, you know, defend my democracy when it's, it's an offensive idea, you know, democracy in a household is offensive, you know, that, that everyone in the household has the same vote. And it's like, no, no, no. Dad and mom's vote counts more than mine and dad's vote counts more than mom's. And it's like, that's pretty offensive. And it's offensive if you're the dad, right? All the egalitarians are like, oh, it's offensive. His vote is more than mine. I, I don't have a vote. And it's like, no, 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 you don't have a vote. Like you're not, you're not the same. You're not the same e equality. You're not equal in honor. And so the most honorable men um, have the, the most vote you know, the most say. And so that, you know, in essence, you know, a lot of people will then be like, oh, but, but monarchies have retards as kings. How is that the most not honorable guy? It's like, they get sorted out, you know, reading, reading this whole uh, history of, of Britain by, uh, by old Winnie, old church. Whenever there was a good king, the land prospered. There was peace, there was prosperity. The land was happy. Whenever there was a bad king, man, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how it makes everybody work. It makes everybody say, oh, the king's not going to do it for me. I need to do it myself. Or the king's a retard. I need to put up some protections and boundaries. So all of the parliamentary rights, all of the um, amazing advances in you know, Magna Carta, in um, parliamentary, even building a parliament itself, came from when there were bastard, stupid, retard kings. And so all the, the aristocrats were like, wait a minute, chaps, we're going to have to figure some things out around here. I want. And then often the, the people, the commoners were like, we need to figure some stuff out here. And so every great advance in civil governance actually comes when there's a retard, bad king. Amazingly. Rob, martial values are cultural positive. Those who do more are worth more. Man, and that's it. You know, I think that's the glory of, it's the glory of the British Empire. It's the glory of the Roman Empire. It's the glory of the Greek Empire. It's the glory of the American Empire. Um, it's, it's the glory of every empire is the conquest phase. The phase of men being able to go out and, you know, those are all the stories that you, you read or the, the, the mythology that you immerse in are the, heroic men, the great men, you know, the stories of Washington riding around bullets, whizzing through his coat, horses shot out from under him, gets back on, come on, jabs, carry on, what, what, that's like, wow, you know, that's, it captures the heart. And so that's what, what we're really going to hit on today is this thing of valiant men, violent, violent and valiant are, are very closely 
phonetically pronounced. But we 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 aspire, we admire to we aspire to be like valiant men. And who are all the valiant men? It's the violent men. So I'll get into this now. DBG, how differently uh, men would die if the way they died was written on their tombstone? Man, that's pretty deep. Yeah, you know, and, and that's, it is the whole thing. You know, there's a psalm that says, I think it's a psalm, might be, um, might be Job, I don't know. But anyway, I think it's David. Lord, teach me to number my days. In other words, I'm going to die. You know, and if my, my days are 80 years, it's like I need to live in light of that. What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my my time on earth to have been about? You know, and a lot of guys, you know, they're happy to they're happy to just you know float along and and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm never gonna die. So I don't think of that. Oh, just live in the moment to YOLO. That's very good. Rob, democracy is a race to the bottom. Everyone since Plato has known that. This is why our founders had pretty clear definitions restricting naked democracy. Yeah, you know, you look at at who had the franchise. You know, it wasn't, oh, yeah, everyone can vote. And now it's like, oh, 16-year-olds, we need 16-year-olds. Oh, yeah, illegals, we need illegals to vote. And it's like, no, 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 you restrict the franchise to a very um, highly duty-bound cost. You know, noblesse oblige. It's, and this is where we're going into now with this thing of, of rough men, valiant men, violent men. Leadership is no walk in the park, wear the crown, get the money, get the ladies, and live a party life. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. You know, and so to take on risk, to take on leadership. You know, I was watching, uh, we were over at having family lunch yesterday after church. And, uh, you know, in the evening, we were all uh, started watching Gladiator. (laughs) Now I'm I'm by nature not a violent man uh, in the the governance realm, right? So I would I would not have I don't know maybe I would have made a good soldier, but I'm not drawn to violence. I I don't I don't do gore, uh, and more than that I don't do political violence, political political gore. Gladiator is a very hard movie for me, for the reason being, I, I realize this now. I struggle with certain themes in movies. I struggle with. Uh, People who hold lies and are always, the tension is always on the verge of being found out or who are walking a double, walking a double life to their own harm. So like I struggle with that and then I struggle with violent, uncontrollable violence. And so it's like, okay, it's interesting to to dig into this and what is it about this? And I came to realize governance is a domain that I have have only ever seen the meme, the bad meme of, right? So you go into governance, well, now you've got a hitman coming for you. You go into governance, well, now it's mafia. You go into governance, you know, and so you look at, at the movie Gladiator. The dude's a, skilled, a skillful general, you know, and I think that, again, it's like militarism. Okay, this is what we dreamed of, right? A, a masterful, strong, courageous band of fighting men going into war, and it's like, you know, I had a mate growing up and he's like, he's like, I'm going to die by the sword. I was born 200 years, 300 years too late. I wanted to die by the claymore. Fill my sporran and go to battle. He was a Scottish chap. So he wanted to, he wanted to relive Bannockburn as what? <clears throat> Those Scots. 
But uh, you know, you you start thinking on 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 all of our militaristic childhood childhood um, dreams and things. The taking of life is a is something that we we struggle with. You know, even now, like getting into regenerative farming and stuff, and like having to to grow your own animals and stuff. The the first ever, um, you know, because I never hunted growing up, so you, you're 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 not desensitized to blood and killing there. And so, like, I realized that I've been on the bad side of the meme. <clears throat> My first kill when I was when I was working with with the the uh, regenerative farming guys, like, man, it was it was heavy on me, weighed on heavy. And then and then again, you seek the Lord on these things. And it's like, all right, Lord, what do I do with this heaviness, the heaviness of killing? You know, and, and immediately that scripture dropped into my heart, that thing of of Peter rise, do, do not call anything I have called un, I have called clean unclean. Rise, take, kill, eat. I was like, all right, boom, immediate peace because the Lord has spoken. And I feel it's the same way with a lot of men who go into, into governance, whether it's military, police, the, the, the violence of politics. There has to be a settling on your heart from the Lord of like, yeah, this is what I'm called to. And so he who bears the sword, so here it is, right? Here's, the, here's what the Lord is saying. He who bears the sword is a minister, a minister of God. And so when I watch movies like, like Gladiator, like Braveheart, I think what I'm really feeling is not, you know, yeah, violence happens. Chicanery and the politics. I think this is where it really hits me. You know, guys getting blackmailed, guys getting framed, guys getting tre- uh, betrayed, guys getting forced into uh, things that they can't really control, you know, collateral damage of political violence. And so this got me thinking onto this whole this whole thing of, of violent men take the kingdom. You know, I was thinking on Sunday, sitting in church, and uh, as my mind does, I'm wondering about a thousand different things. And I was just thinking, you know, Donald Trump living a total heathen lifestyle, like many Christians wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But the guy signals his his Christian, he just signals Christianity, you know, like he's, he signals a few of our issues like, Oh yeah, we're going to stop abortion. All the, all the priests, all the, the Christians, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Praise God. You know, he signals, Oh, he owns a Bible. Oh my gosh. Praise God. All this stuff, you know, but God forbid, you know, you look at all the, the, um, antagonism, you know, I'm trying to think of like openly publicly open, openly Christian dudes who go into government. They get torn to shreds by Big Ava, by priests who won't, who won't be, oh, he's compromising the gospel. He's, uh, he's being a bad witness by being a rough man, by being a violent man. You know, and you look at DeSantis right now. DeSantis was a military man. He was a rough man, a violent man, a valiant man, right? He, he wouldn't be able to do what he did, what he has done, what he continues to do if he had entered into politics as a squeaky clean priest be like, right guys, I just love, I just love people, you know, and we're going to run this administration in a Christian way. If you vote for me as governor, I'm going to be the most Christian governor. Dude, I'm telling you right now, two things happen. Number one, the church is going to come after him and crucify him to the standard of a priest because the dude's a rough man. The dude's a Chad. He's not going to be whatever, you know, name, name some pop, pop star priest. He's not going to be that guy. He's, he's hard man. 
rough man, which is what you need to be to succeed in this dirty, violent domain of governance. The second thing that comes when you announce your public Christianity is all the clowns. The clowns hate Christianity. The clowns hate Christians coming in and bringing their, taking, uh, taking these institutions for, for Christendom. And so they will crucify you to your spoken values, you know, your principles, but they will never abide by them themselves. You know, so that's when they'll be like, well, didn't Jesus say that we must love all the refugees? Didn't Jesus say that, you know, you must never lie? Didn't Jesus say that you mustn't judge me? And like, they'll just like bring all the stuff up that Jesus wouldn't do. And it's like, you're lying, you're cheating, you're doing all the stuff. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a Christian, not a Christian. And so they'll hold you to things and crucify you and then make you fold and resign. You know, that's what, you know, you look at, man, it was the greatest thing watching Donald versus Ted Cruz. You know, 2015, 2016, Ted Cruz, dude would fold on everything. And like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you even, you even look at how during the, the Texas snow debacle, the Texas snow crisis, where him and his family, you know, all the power's out, temperatures are sub-zero. So they get on a plane to go down to Mexico. It's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, that's logical. You know, take one less household out of the, you know, and you can debate the merits on uh, being a senator. Like, should you stay with the people? It's like, the dude's useless. You know, what are you going to do? Go around with former role and, and it's like, no, go to Mexico, take your family to Mexico. So all the journalists, all the clowns, find out that Ted Cruz has gone to Mexico. <laughs> and so they start, Ted Cruz is in Mexico. So what does the bugger do? He folds. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They caught me. And he flies back the very same night back to freaking Texas and, and folds and apologizes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's like, dude, you're a soft man. You're not a rough man. You know, the, the rough man, the thing you do there where all the journalists are re like you've already pissed off the clowns stop stop playing to the clowns you know you you sit on the beach in mexico in your speedo with your sweet ted cruz bod and you take a selfie and you send it to the main journalist who wrote the first article and you're like hey man just thought you'd like this that's how a rough man replies that's how a man who understands the dirt because the clowns will never love you the clowns will never accept you the clowns will never write a good piece about you all of your people who did vote for you and do support you, they don't care, right? They want a show of strength. They want a show of optics to their guys, right? You are a senator. You are the institutional king of this institution. Show strength. Show roughness. Show violence, right? And that's why old DeSantis is just crushing. He's a rough man. He's a violent man, right? And a wise man at being violent. He, he understands institutional power and, and all of this stuff. But I just really wanted to, to hit on this is like your domain, you know, again, to, to come back to, to what we're saying here, this domain of governance, a lot of Christians don't want to touch it because they understand what goes on. You know, I love old Huey Long's, the dude was a, a total like rough man. You know, I, I doubt I doubt many people would have even enjoyed him. You know, it's the same with with Donald and DeSantis probably. But he understood one thing about governance. Governance is there. It says this in the Bible. He who bears the sword is to punish 
men who are uh, I can't remember what the man it's totally blocking my mind, but basically punish men who break the law and reward men who are honorable that's your that's your role execute just execute judgment and justice reward uh, honor <clears throat> and and priests are petrified of the sword why bludgeon I don't want to dirty my witness right because and rightly so a priest is to love people. A priest is to care, is to nurture. And so the king, we confuse the two things. We want a loving king. Jesus was a loving king. He was a king who, the, the broken reed, the bending reed, he will not break. And it's like, that's fine. Jesus was all the archetypes, modeling all the archetypes for us. That's fine. So that's why when we split the domains, it's really good to see this, right? A guy who's a priest is, is going to avoid with all freaking, uh, all of his will and all of his might and all of his optics, he's going to avoid governance. He's going to avoid becoming a policeman. He's going to avoid becoming going to the army. He's going to avoid going into politics. Why? Those three things require violence. It requires boundary setting of a type that they're not willing to do. Their type, and I will talk about this later, they have their own type of violence that they have to commit and... Um, their own type of, of boldness and roughness that they have to figure out. And, and we'll get to that. I'm on a good rabbit trail. Let me read, let me read some comments. DVG, nobility and landed gentry always sort out bad kings eventually. Yeah, time preference, long game, cultural long game. Noblesse oblige. DVG, Psalm 90. Rob, violent men create a society of politeness and manners. Exactly. And so that's what we see now. A, a society devoid of violent men in governance. Right? It's all clowns because we've given that ground over. And so we're crying out for violent men. So this is the irony I was thinking of in church. We cheer when Donald's even signals a hint of Christianity. We cheer if DeSantis had to come out and be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. We cheer at, at this kind of thing. But God forbid DeSantis start out as a Christian. God forbid Donald start out as a Christian because then all condemnation is going to come from the church. You know, so we need priests who understand this thing of like, it's rough men who go into this domain. It's violent men who go into this domain and crush. And that, you know, it's not wise for them to sing, signal public Christianity because of all the, the clown priests who are going to come and condemn them. We want, we want priests who are based to come in and sanctify them and to pray for them and to give them wisdom and to give them counsel and to connect them to the Lord, to connect them to righteousness, to connect them to uh, the understanding of kingship foil the plans of the enemies in high places. But that's, it's a really good word there. You know, violent men create a society of politeness and manners. This is the basis of chivalry where actions have consequences. Scott, movie homework. The man who would be king. Michael Caine and Sean Connery, based on the novella by Rajid Kipling, a hardcore Anglo adventure story. And I appreciate you sending me the, I uh, saw a few clips there that you sent me and it's like, this is based. I'm going to watch it. DBG, uh, I bet David struggled uh, with this too in some ways. God called him a bloody man, but it might have been tough at first. David may have been more naturally a lover, psalmist, quiet shepherd who had to grow into something else. Yeah, and I think that's it. You know, it's all of this is skill. You know, when you look at the honor, at the the way of 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 men, that whole honor hierarchy, no one starts out life with a thousand percent skill. You start out with an aptitude, sure, but skills are taught. You know. And so it's a great shame if, if you don't teach a child to hunt early, if you don't teach a child to, to take life early, because you start 
you start growing sensitivities, little urban sensitivities, uh, you know, where boys are even afraid of dirt. Boys are afraid of bugs. And it's like, you know, you start from young training them into manliness, into skill. And I think that's what happened for David. Rob, being on the receiving end of violence has a very distinct purity of enemy message received. It quickly strips away your domesticated hesitation. Yeah. So this enemy, this, this, uh, this distinction, this friend-enemy distinction is something that priests struggle with because they have a mandate to love all men. They have a mandate to, to try and get all men saved. The mandate on the governor is bear the sword, differentiate between friend-enemy and bear the sword. <clears throat> and these two mindsets don't, don't dwell together well in the, in the soft ways that, that they've been put together. They dwell together perfectly biblically. They dwell together perfectly in, in the Old Testament, how the, the patriarchs work it out. They dwell together perfectly in the, in the, in the man of Jesus. But yeah, it quickly strips away your domestic hesitation. So this is what Huey Long talks about. His, and it's hilarious. He based his whole political theology, his whole political philosophy on the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, we've unleashed a monster. But it's like, that's it. You know, the Count of Monte Cristo, he's wronged. He, uh, it's a Joseph story. He's basically put in prison and wronged and has everything taken from him. And when he gets, he gets out, he basically goes and destroys every every one of his enemies destroys them doesn't show mercy doesn't show kindness destroys and so Huey Long was this, he was saying this whole thing of like the point of politics is to bear the sword it's to crush your enemies it's to absolutely have no mercy on your enemies and this works in a homogenous society in a homogenous society our enemies are all the same but in a multicultural everyone is different. Every tribe is all over the place, 25 different tribes. Guess what? The friend enemy line distinctions are so blurred. Then you throw democracy on top of it. Now we're voting who the sword is going to chop. And right now it's white men. You know, it's like, who's the sword going to chop? Now we're voting on it. And there's 25 different friends, 25 different enemies. And they all understand Huey Long. They all understand the Count of Monte Cristo. And they're like, yeah, we want to crush and destroy our enemies through the vehicle, through the sword of governance. It's very interesting. Rob DG, you're a wise dude. Never allow your enemies to provide you with your interpretation of your faith. Yeah, and that's the gatekeeping. You know, it's the it's it's that whole thing with Christian nationalism. They can't beat Christianity, they can't beat nationalism. So what do you do? You join them and then you start gatekeeping them. You know, so you you def, you redefine what a Christian is. You redefine what nationalism is. And then, you know, because you can't beat it, so that now you redefine it. And you you meme it to some terrible things. Lampshades made out of skin? Ah. Bastards. All righty. Huey Long and George Wallace are greater than Donald Trump. I need to look up who George Wallace was. DVG, David, the least of his family, had to be a warrior because no other man would. So here's the deal. It's this whole thing of courage in your domain. And so I really do want to hit on this as well, because I, I, I'm, I'm not a man who would be a police officer, be a soldier. You know, politics, I sometimes think, oh, like I could be a politician. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. 
I mean, I don't rule it out, but I definitely know as far as it comes to being a police officer or being a, <clears throat> being a soldier, I was like, there are men who are freaking gifted, just gifted at this, talented, you know. But you look at each domain, each domain requires rough men. Each domain requires courage, strength, mastery. Each domain requires violence. And so now let's go into, into these other domains. Let's start with these with these priests. What is their violence? You know, what is their courage? And for them, it's it's the violence of being able to preach the word without fear. It's the violence of being able to stand against cultural approval and say, actually, this is what the Bible says. Even against other, you know, uh, cultural Christianity, right? Because there's so much cultural Christianity that's just not biblical. That's just not true. And so you present a little... Bible teaching, you're like, guys, this is what the Bible says, and you just get crucified from within your own flow or whatever. That's violence. That's a violent man of like, no, I don't need your approval. I'm gonna follow what the Bible says. So that's a violent man here. You know, same thing with with the approval of women, with the approval of journalists, with the approval of whoever makes the loudest noise, whichever clown is in your hierarchy. The ability to lovingly stick to what you believe the Lord has said through the word of like, this is what the word says. It's Adam and Eve, right? Adam, God said, don't eat from this tree. And he couldn't do the violence against the woman. Not violence. Uh, feds, dudes, not violence against women, my freaking God. The violence of spirit of saying no to an upset woman. The violence of spirit of saying no to a journalist clown sitting in the tree saying, did God really say? It's like, no, journalist clown, you're the scum of the earth. That's violence for a priest. And you need to start doing that. Second thing is uh, being a rough man, right? Not being afraid of these three domains. Not being afraid of these dirty, rough, tired men who have been fighting in the trenches over here. And it's like, I'm going to jump in a trench with them and share a cup of coffee and make sure they're doing okay. And when I climb out, I might be a bit dirty and smell like them. And I'm going to have seen what they've seen. Can I, am I rough enough to, to withstand sanctifying these rough men same in ministry uh, in in media right in media you need rough men who are willing to say things that could get them crucified you're willing you're, you need men who are willing to put in the the work of this domain that is you know you look at at, at like celebrity culture you look at sports you look at entertainment it's like this is a rough world you know, do you, are you willing to go into this world and be unstained? Are you willing to go into this world and <clears throat> remain to, to hold on to your fealty to Christ in this crazy domain? In business, right? <clears throat> I laugh at that, that joke, like some, some girl was telling my wife, like, oh, I just wish my husband was more more Christian or more open to the Holy Spirit or more all of this stuff. And it's like, the dude is crushing. He's a Delta. He's got resolve. And it's like, if he was some little loved everybody, just worship leader, loving the Holy Spirit, it's like, you'd be broke and you wouldn't like him. <laughs> and he'd be insecure and he'd be, it's like, the dude's crushing. You know, so in business, being a violent man, again, it's boundary setting. Again, it's negotiating. Negotiation is a violent financially violent act. A lot of men can't do it. A lot of men are too scared to negotiate, too scared to pick up the phone and cold call, too scared 
to take out risk on some project, too scared to make a huge money, money tag decision, rough men, violent men, right? Too scared to put in the work that they, you know, even I was chatting to a, to a friend this weekend and it's like a lot of guys in the e- economic domain, grinding is their superpower, like just insane work ethic. And it's like, that's a superpower. It's a talent. It's, it's something that defines him from 90% of other men. And it's like, that's, that's being a rough man. It's being a violent man because you're being violent to your luxuries. You're being violent to your laziness. You're being violent to your soft, just come drink beer. Just come sit on the couch. Just come eat pizza. Let's smoke some weed and relax. And it's like, not going to find, not going to find that guy over there. <clears throat> Rob, a fate man hide behind the gentle benevolence of cowardice. Look how tolerant I am. Tolerance of wickedness is not a virtue. Tolerance is the surrender of values and the acceptance of defeat. Yeah, soft men, soft men. So one of the things about violence, another way to describe violence is boundary setting. Boundary setting is by, you know, Building a fence is by nature, when you, when you put up a fence, you know, around a bunch, a bunch of cattle, a fence is a violent interruption of the natural flow, right? So the cow says, I'm going to go over there and mess up the flower garden. You put up a violent interruption, right? Even maybe an electric fence, a barbed wire fence, right? So the cow's going to hit it and it, its natural flow has been violently interrupted. And then it'll do it once. It'll do it twice. And it's like, okay, I, I, I'm not going to touch this fence again. I know I don't go there. You know, and even they say with dogs, like if you've trained dogs to a certain wire or a certain boundary, you can take the fence away and they'll never go across that line because you've trained them through violence, through violently interrupting the natural flow, the natural state. That's boundary setting. That's boundary keeping, right? So a lot of times like, like struggling with, with boundaries with people, Realize you are being, you are not being a king. You are not being um, a valiant man, a violent man, a hard man. Because we, uh, I don't want to shock them. I don't want to stop them from from messing up my flower bed. I don't want to stop them from pooping on on all my my stuff. And it's like that's where this thing of value comes in. Are you not valuable enough to put up a fence? Is the thing you're not you're protecting not valuable enough to start to start hurting a few little cows? Uh, feelings, you know, cause that, that's where roughness comes in. Oh, I'm crying. Let me in. It's like so many Christians we've been hit over the head. Kindness guys, kind, be kind. Let in the refugees guys, let in the rapists. Don't lock your doors. Just let them all in guys. Otherwise it's mean. You're so mean. And it's like, uh, you know, this thing of kindness, it's such a psyop, you know, I love that. Uh, I love that that saying of of uh, you know being being an armed man. You, you cannot be a peaceful man unless you are an armed man. And and what they, I'm trying to think who who said that. But they were basically saying like, if Conor McGregor comes and slaps your wife on the ass and you don't do anything, it's not because you're a peaceful man. It's because you can't do anything. But if you have a gun and Conor McGregor comes and slaps your wife on the ass, now you can do something, right? You can be like, no, 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 buddy. Like, you're not coming near my, my house. You stay there. You don't come into my house. Now you're a peaceful man, you know. Or if he comes to your house, you shoot him. 
Now you're a peaceful man. Why? You're an even more peaceful man because you just stopped him from doing it to all your neighbors. You're now a man of peace. You know, and you can't do that if you're not if you're not a violent man, a man capable of violence. And it's the same with, with kindness. You know, we, we talk about kind men. And it's like, no, no, no. A kind man is just someone who lets people come and take all this crap. It's like, you know, if, oh, can I come and can, can I come use your stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I come take your stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, there has to be an ability to say no. There has to be an ability to say reciprocity. Otherwise, you're not a kind man. You're a doormat. Fergie Master, welcome. It's not Roman. It's Northern European. We've always been militaristic. I would say it's on somewhat based off Rome, though. What are you talking about, my fine sir? <clears throat> Rob, violence is force. Rob, of all evil, I deem you capable. Therefore, I want good from you. Verily, I have often laughed at the weaklings who thought themselves good because they had no claws. Nietzsche. Yeah, exactly. You know, it is that thing. It's like, what are we capable of? Only once you are capable of something can you show restraint. Can you show discipline? It's really good. DFG, until you recognize your value, you'll also submit to the big Ava Pharisees. Yeah. The skirts of Pharisees aren't too different from the skirts of harsh, shrewish, and abusive mothers. You know, so, so that's the, the huge thing, you know. When you look at the Pharisaical mindset, it's outward cleanliness. It's outward political correctness. And so you can't, you like the fruits of these three domains. You like the fame. You like the money. You like the power, but you, you cannot admit to what it takes to get those three things. And so you, you, you whitewash, you know, you're like, Oh, Donald, he, you know, do you know that he's a Christian? And it's like, yeah. And you know, the 50, 60 years of, of grinding <laughs> that it took him to get to where he is to now that you celebrate him, you would never have celebrated him down here. You would never have touched him down here. But now you want to touch him because he's wealthy and powerful and famous. You know, that's the Pharisaical. And the, the Pharisee's like, yeah, come sit at our come sit at our banquet table. Yeah, and it and it it goes across as well to this whole thing of of you know feminism, where on the outside everything must be very e equality, uh, kindness, love is love. And it's like, man, you know, you don't you don't understand what it takes to be a policeman. You know, all you see uh, is a flashy 911, you know, oh, you can call 911 and they come and solve all your problems. On the other side of that phone number is a dude who's who's had 20 years of walking the streets, being shot at, shooting dudes, busting dudes, being busted. Like, you don't understand what it is to call a policeman to your situation. You're like, oh, just call the policeman to my situation. And it's like, man, a policeman is a rough dude. He's a violent dude. You know, he's a, a, you're just getting the end product. You're just getting the fruit, but you're not willing to celebrate what it is that gets you that fruit. A man who's willing to use force, uh, to bear the sword against wicked people. DVG, we always respect a strong man who comes out as a Christian versus those that use being Christian to get elected. Yeah. You put it perfectly there, man. We respect a strong man who comes out as Christian or becomes Christian or is like, yeah, I was a Christian. Or I was like, oh, this is amazing. But a Christian who tries to gain strength, we're like, ah, oh, you know, like it's you. Christianity is not virtue signaling. Christianity is not going to get you points in, in a, in a power hierarchy. 
<clears throat> you have to do the stuff. You have to do the thing. Uh, Rob Nietzsche disdained people who were so proud of never having committed any evil, even though those people were incapable of evil to begin with due to their weakness of spirit. He thought that people who were incapable of great evil were incapable of great anything. It's really good. That's really good. And, and so I wrote down here this whole thing of bearing your talent. Um, you know, I wanted to, to, to hit on that. You know, a lot of guys, we're taught to be a Christian nice guy. Now, the church understands our sin nature. The church understands our masculine nature. The church understands our king nature, right? All of the, this, all of the groundwork, the root work of our domain. And it's like, oh man, that's dirty. That, there's that, that proverb that says, uh, where there are no oxen, the barn is clean, right? But by the strength of an ox comes much gain. And it's the same with men. It, it's saying about men that where there's no men, things are clean, right? The church is clean. The brand is clean. The morality is clean. When it comes to our talent, oh, so the church, so what it does to us, when it comes to our talent, it's like, guys, your talent is going to get you dirty. Your talent is going to bring you into contact with clowns. It's going to bring you uh, into contact with some things that are going to just like weigh heavily on you. We don't want that. So just, just bury your talent. Just the, the glories of the fruit are not worth all of this root time. So just bury the talent and do nothing. So as Christian nice guys, we're not committing any sin. We're also not doing anything good. And we just sit and we're like, my life sucks, nihilism and despair. And so we go into sins of, of omission rather than sins of commission and, and not even sin, dirtiness of omission rather than dirtiness of commission. So what are the dirtinesses of omission? Well, all of us little boys, are, we're afraid, fear, right? We're petrified of setting boundaries. We're petrified of saying no. So we're just abused and used and, and soft. And it's like, chaps, you're far better <laughs> living over here than doing nothing, you know, because you're afraid of a little dirt to get a lot of gain. <clears throat> so with that whole thing of bearing your talent, I think a lot of us are afraid of success. We're afraid of fame. We're afraid of wealth. We're afraid of power because we believe the meme that it's, you know, it's, it's the root of all evil. It's dirty. You can't get it without being evil and without being a, a, a dish. And I was like, no, no, no. The Bible talks very clearly on how uh, to get riches, honor, and life. It's by humility and fear of the Lord. And so these men, by humility, that means uncover your gift. Humility means I'm not above God. So it's, oh, I made Scott rich. I made Scott famous. No, no, no. Like God has blessed me with this talent. God is my helper. God directs my steps. I am the son of God. And so I crush in his image. That's humility, right? And neither am I below Christ's salvation. You know, a lot of guys condemn themselves out of God. And that's condem condemnation and pride are like the flip side of the same coin. You're so proud of your own your, your own damage is too much for Christ. You know, like, oh, chaps, you know, God could never love someone like me. God could never use someone like me. That's condemnation, which is basically pride. Humility is saying, Lord, you know, you look at Abraham. The dude was just like, 
Yeah, he wouldn't be led in, in a church nowadays. You look at David, he wouldn't be led in a church nowadays. You look at Paul, wouldn't be led in a church nowadays. Probably even Jesus, he wouldn't be led in a church nowadays. It's like, chaps, humility is just saying, all right, Lord, I take you at your word. I'm your son. I'm your king. I'm going to unbury this talent that I'm afraid of succeeding at or I'm afraid of failing at. I'm going to unbury it and I'm going to give it. I'm going to give my talent in my domain. I'm going to go and crush. What are the things I'm drawn to? What are the things I have skill at? What are the things I have strength at that I'm happy to be courageous at? And I'm going to go and crush. And that's where soft men start taking issue with you. And so I wanted to talk about this thing of soft gatekeepers, bureaucracy especially. Bureaucracy in the church, bureaucracy in government, bureaucracy in in business, media, whatever it is. Bureaucracy is what happens when we've established, we've made some gains, so some things grow, and now you try and protect it. You try and manage it and run it. And so a person's job, a bureaucrat's job, is dependent on making sure this thing carries on, making sure this thing runs. Regardless of its mission, regardless of its effectiveness, this thing has to provide my salary, so I'm protecting it. And so a rough man comes along and wants to shake things up or wants to take a risk or wants to go in a different direction. And the bureaucrat, who's a camp man, he stays at camp and he manages the goods at camp while all the rough men go out raiding. And he's like, no, 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 we've got to protect the camp. No more raiding. It brings enemies. Let's protect this. And so the rough men are kicked out. The rough men are gatekept. The rough men draw uh, even maybe jealousy from the soft men. And so, you know, one of the biggest things for soft men is an insecurity. An insecurity of like, if this man comes here, he's going to get my job. If this man comes here, he's going to go above me. If this man, you know, and so that's how bureaucracy works. It strangles the rough men. It strangles the valuable men. And it only elevates men who are controllable, men who know, like, if I'm in the good books of this guy, I stay up here. Not through merit and and strength and honor and, you know. And so that's how bureaucracy works. It's it's an elevation of the weak. It's an elevation of, of the soft over the strong, over the uncontrollable. <clears throat> and there's that famous meme from Alexander, the movie, where the little boy's like, uh, what did he say? He's like, uh, he's like, I, I can't do that. Or like, oh, and he's like, I can't do that. And then Alexander's like, and that's why no one will remember your name. And that's what, what happens with our gift, right? So many of us are afraid to, to be a rough man and put forward a rough gift, right? We think our gift has to be smooth and polished. It's like, guys, give a rough gift. Go hard with a rough gift. That's how it's like, we, we need to get off this thing of like, well, everything has to be perfect. Everything, ha- you know, I need approval. I need everything. No, it's like, go hard, be a rough man. Go live in the desert for a while if you have to. Give your gift. Give your gift in the domain. If the bureaucracy kicks you out, if clown soul kicks you out and comes after you, go hard. Like, enjoy the desert season. You know, give your rough gift. All righty. DBG. And Rob, we should grab a beer sometime. Yes, I look forward to this. DBG, um, even women want the dude who is naturally a black-bearded pirate but curbs it for love versus those who could never commit violence. A Red Butler versus an Ashley Wilkes in Gone with the Wind, an American classic. Success, wealth, fame, 
And power brings opposition and competition. It brings light of criticism. We fear it. Being a part of a band of brothers can help. Yeah, we, we just want to know we're not alone. You know, it's the Elijah, it's the Elijah thing. It wasn't when he was facing the 400 priests of Baal that he was afraid. It wasn't when he was doing all the stuff that he was afraid. It was after the success. It was after giving his gift, crushing, that he's like, oh crap, now everyone's going to come after me. Run. He feared reprisal for his success. So a lot of us, we are afraid of being successful because of the reprisals that it will bring from all the bureaucrats, from all the soft men, and even from, from the men who are, you know, a lot of men, they don't want you if you are are if you are around a bunch of soft, let's say you hang with three soft dudes. You know, let's say your your fire team is three soft dudes, and you say to them, Hey chaps, let's go further up, let's go make our foxhole right on the front line. Let's go further up and see if we can get in on the action. The three soft men are like, dude, you're mad. You're gonna get us killed. And so they can't, if you go up to the foxhole and start doing amazing things and, and you take out a po, you know, David and David and uh, Jonathan and his army bearer, they literally, just the two of them, go off and pick a fight. They, they make a route, they start winning. And it's like, all right, everybody, let's pile in, let's go. The soft man, clown Saul, back at camp was like, who did this? You're making me fight. You're making me show up. And it's like, soft men hate men who are succeeding. So when you start succeeding, you're going to start drawing reprisals. But God loves this. God loves this. And he says to Elijah, Elijah, I'm with you. Go back on this road. There are 7,000 other men who have not bowed the knee. And that's when we start, when the reprisals come, when the people we thought were with us start rejecting us and attacking us and crucifying us, that's when you actually start finding your true friends. You're like, hey, I can actually see who's friend enemy, <laughs> you know? Like I knew who my enemies were, but I didn't know these guys weren't my friends. Um, and it's great because like God says, there's 7,000 other men and you start meeting other men who are, are crushing and it's a whole different life. Rob, bureaucracy is the institutionalism of the status quo through credentialism. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like on Twitter when uh, sharing that uh, Alan Savory thing, you know, that whole credentialism thing of, of is it peer reviewed? Because if it's not, it's not science. And it's like, no innovation, no breakthrough is peer-reviewed. It's new. It's a breakthrough. Um, you know, so credentialism, yeah, totally, you know, gatekeeping things of like, well, unless the clever boys say it's true, it's not true. DBG, Saul won't fight, but starts setting up fake purity tests like the can't eat vow. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's how they, they excuse a lot of, a lot of bureaucrats, a lot of clown clown leaders excuse themselves from fighting by purity spiraling, by um, <clears throat> claiming weird things that they can disqualify the valiant men on, you know? So it's like, oh, uh, well, David's actually, uh, you know, pick something. He swore. He ate the bread from the temple. So actually, you know, he's not a Christian. So so actually, you know, we don't have to uh, do anything like that. So David's out. We we don't associate with uh, with guys like that who who would eat who would eat the showbread. You know, guys who eat the showbread are just you know you can see that they're just not they don't they don't know the Lord. They're apostate. <clears throat> DBG, yep. We have successful men blaze the trail, and then other men come behind them to create the credentials. 
that supposedly make them good. That's why institutions give honorary doctorates. Yeah, really good. Really good. Let me see if I've got anything else here and we'll call it a sweet night. Yeah, I wanted to hit on that thing of crushing your enemies. You know, the mindset of crushing, absolutely going counter Monte Cristo on your enemies in the other three domains, even, even in, in the priesthood, even in ministry. Because in ministry, you, you clearly know your enemies are in high places. You want, you want to crush evil. You want to crush Satan under your foot. Um, but there's this thing of, of we have to get this mindset. We've been, again, we've been memed into having a mindset of mercy, mercy. You know, I surrender. Give him mercy. And so you get this absolute clown who cries for mercy. And we're like, well, as principled Christian conservatives, we will extend mercy on our enemy. And it's like, no, you just let the clown go. And now he's already fermenting subversion in your next thing. And he's going to bring back 10 times the the clown. You know, it's that whole thing of, of Jesus saying, if you sweep a house clean of demons and you don't, uh, you don't now live in repentance, it's going to be 10 times uh, the amount of, of demonic crap going on. It's like, Welcome to clown world. If you don't crush the clowns, they bring back 10 times the amount of clowns. And so we have to get this, this, this crush our enemies mindset. You know, you, again, we have mercy on the NPCs and we've got to learn how to differentiate between a clown and an NPC. You know, an NPC, an NPC while they're very ingratiating, like, I can't stand many NPCs who, who follow because they're following the zeitgeist of the clowns who have institutional power over them, but they're trapped. They're trapped there. And so you need to give them an out. You, you, you don't dive, uh, focus your anger and your resentment on the NPCs because otherwise, otherwise you make it hard for them. When, once you do win the kingdom, once you do kick clown Saul out and take the palace, all these guys, who were serving Saul will be like, oh, he's the new king. Yeah, 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 we're with you now. And it's like, and again, you can't resent that. They're NPCs. They follow institutional power. They never betray the institution. That's what you can see. Their loyalty is to the institution. It's on me to now gain honor to become the head of the institution so I can control the NPCs. We have to differentiate of who are the clowns? Who are the guys pulling the levers? Who are the guys uh, pulling the strings of these institutions. We need to crush them. They need to never be let back in. They need to be, you know, tried for treason. They need to be crushed under our heels. Got to go hard at clowns and crush them. That's a mindset we have to have. No mercy on clowns. Mercy on MP on NPCs, no mercy on clowns. And we need to learn how to differentiate between an NPC who is just following orders and a clown who is giving orders. <clears throat> Rob, a good sign of lack of confidence or cowardice is how quickly a man calls another man to do his duty. That's really deep, bro. Cause that's it. You know, God, there's a great, there's a great book. My wife and I are reading about like boundaries and, and communicating that kind of, you know, boundary setting and all that kind of stuff. And the guy was saying, um, there's a backpack of duties that you must carry. And then all of us in life sometimes get burdens, which is a, a boulder, which are too heavy for one man to carry. And so he says what a lot of people do is they treat their backpack, their duties as a burden and they palm it off onto other people. You know, so we have natural duties that every man needs to carry his own backpack. And then once in a while, you'll see a man struggling with a boulder and it's like, yeah, man, that sucks. I'm going to help you carry this boulder. 
And I thought that was great, you know, because in our society, we're taught to shirk our duties as burdens and everybody just carry my, carry my duties, carry my duties. And it's like, no, those are your duties. You carry them. DBG, do your duty and denounce trailblazers because he said he grabs kitty cats. (laughs) Those clowns, they appear harmless. So harmless that we leave them alone with the children. Every time they do that, they win. Just look at who raises our children. Dude, that is phenomenal. What are clowns? Clowns entertain children. That is, look at this glory hiding in plain sight. Immaculate. You're my top guy, DVG. DVG, then we wonder why people raised by clowns spout clown philosophies from government purchase. Rob, we have a biblical obligation to be a kinsman redeemer. We should never renounce our kinsmen when attacked by our enemies. We have an obligation to redeem them. Yeah, dude, that's a really good point. You know, it's it's this thing of tribe. You know, again, that's the libertarian side. Every man's an individual. You know, so so shirk my duties and make other people carry my duties. But also, everyone's an individual. I'm not carrying anyone's burdens. Pew, off to my forest cavern. Yeah, it's really good, man. You know, and that's where that's where it really does start becoming a thing of like, who's my tribe? Who are my people? And we need to differentiate friend enemy. You know, because when we differentiate friend enemy. We really start going like, wow, you're an enemy. I don't have to carry your burdens. You know, and, and a lot of Christians will be like, oh, Scott, that's bloody unchrist-like, you bastard. And it's like, no, no, no. If people are without repentance, you put up a boundary. You know, and a lot of enemies, you don't just let them in. You don't just give them the keys to the castle. It's, there's this thing of, of you carry your own duties. So when it comes to when it comes to nationalism, right? We are called to look after our own nation. We're called to look after our own family. That's our duty. Our own nation. That's our duty. Then maybe we can help them with their burden, but we don't help them with their duties. We don't take their duty. Oh, oh, your men aren't looking after you. Your men aren't creating peace and prosperity. Your king is a dick. Your king is creating chaos. Oh. All come live with us. It's like, no, 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 no. That's uh, like fighting age men stay there and sort crap out. Diplomat, sage, old men stay there and sort crap out. Like you are shirking your own duty to come here and be like, oh, it's like, yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. TVG and Ruth. Wrong religion and lifted the blanket off of Boaz's foot, whatever that is a euphemism for, wink, wink, was one that was redeemed. Uh, So true, kinsman redeemer philosophy is anti-libertarian because there is not room for standing up for your friends, family, tribe. Yeah, exactly. Gentlemen, what a phenomenal chat. Uh, I think we do need to sort out this whole beer thing. Maybe we'll all just pop a beer together and have a beer on the live stream, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Gentlemen, have a wonderful week further. We'll see you tomorrow, uh, 7 p.m. I'm going to do another podcast uh, tomorrow afternoon, which is cool. Um, It's one of the Majesty's Men uh, guys, Jared Sparks, so it's going to be fun. Um, If you haven't checked out my other two podcasts I did last week with uh, Bo Hutches and with Eric Kahn, those are fun. Uh, Just some rambles around a bunch of things. Um, So hopefully we'll go into uh, uh, more depth. especially on the dominion thing. I feel like there's a lot of uh, Christian guys who are starting to, to 
uh, awaken to Dominion theology. Yeah, I appreciate you boys. I appreciate uh, all the chats. It was a really good one. I was rambling at first, but you guys took it in a good direction. Praise God for you. See you all tomorrow.